Welcome back, everybody, to Crime Pros. It's been another week. We're back here. We all made it, and the world is crazy, but you know what? That's okay. I am excited to talk this week about a topic that's different than anything we've really done before, because this week we're going to talk about what's going on in Afghanistan. And for the record, we are recording today's episode on the 22nd of August. Things change minute by minute, hour by hour right now. And by the time that this goes live, I am sure that something will be different, but everything that we say <laughs> up to now is is up to August 22nd. So our guest this week is actually a very special one because she is a pro in the area of Afghanistan because she spent some time there growing up. So everyone, please welcome this week's special guest, Anna. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited to be um, on today's podcast. And I'm I'm just honored, Jace, that you would um, ask me. So I'm super excited. Absolutely. Thank you for doing this, Anna. We're so excited to have Absolutely. you. Do you want to tell the people a little bit about yourself? Sure. Yeah, I'd love to. So I grew up in a home of missionaries. My parents, they um, met overseas in 1999 in Uzbekistan. Aww. They both went um, to work at orphanages. Um, just out of college. Yeah, so it's super sweet. I they didn't met even over know there. That. Yeah, it's adorable. They met over there and they fell in love. Um, and they both had to stay for two years. Um, and then as soon as that um, project ended, they moved back to the U.S., got married, um, had mm-hmm. me, and then they moved back to Uzbekistan, um, where we lived for a few years. And then we ended up in Afghanistan for um, the period between 2006 to 2009. Um, and then lastly, we were in t- a country called Tajikistan um, wow. till 2017. And we've been in the States since then. So that's kind of a, a little glimpse into my life. Wow. And for everyone's peace of mind and for the record, you are back in the U.S., like you said. Yes. But you've had I've been home for four years, so. And just so much experience for that. So were all of these countries, because a couple of those you mentioned I haven't actually heard of. So mm-hmm. are all of these countries, like, in, are they all in the Middle East, like in the same part yes. of the world? Okay. They're all in Central Asia. They're really, they all border each other, actually. So oh. same culture, um, similar languages, not exact, but all very like-minded, all um, predominantly Muslim countries. Interesting. Okay. Well, today, Anna and I are going to jump into the story of the Taliban takeover. I don't know about you, but I grew up knowing that the Taliban, really all I knew was that it was a group that fought the U.S., and maybe had something to do with 9-11. Like, I just feel like from my earliest memories, that was the narrative. So when everything started going down earlier this month in that part of the world, I had to educate myself on who is Taliban? Where did they come from? Like what's happening here? So I think it all goes back to around the year 1979 when the Soviet Union invaded the country of Afghanistan and empowered a pro-Soviet government. And here's a word that comes up a lot in this story. You may know how to pronounce this better than me. Is it Mujahideen? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's perfect. Okay, so these are Islamic holy warriors, and they essentially in 1979, the 1980s, were fighting as rebel groups against the the Soviet government, and mm-hmm. um, this ended in a war that resulted in over one million Afghans and over fifteen thousand Soviets dead. Yeah. Now. Mm-hmm. During this time and over the course of these decades, Ronald Reagan was actually friendly with the Mujahideen fighters um, because they weren't communists. And that was essentially Mm -hmm. the only criteria to be an ally of the US then. (laughs) Right. And it's pretty well documented that the CIA provided weapons for these groups to fight against the Soviets. And this lasted all the way up until 1988 when the Geneva Peace Accord Geneva Peace Accords, <laughs> there we go with the words. So they were signed in 88 and the Soviets agreed to withdraw from Afghanistan. This all started in 88 and they left behind their pro-communist government, which actually ended up being very weak. And the Mujahideen continued to fight against this government and waged a war on the capital city of Kabul. Is it Kabul? Kabul, yeah. Kabul, there we go. Kabul, See, yeah. I mean, okay, uh, tangent. I have a sister who's adopted from Colombia, and she oh, okay. she grew up in the capital city of Bogota. Um, okay, but I had watched an episode of Friends as a kid where they call it Bogota <laughs> as a joke. But up until I was in the city, I thought it was pronounced Bogota. So, oh yeah, it's always funny how you think something's pronounced one way, <laughs> you don't realize. <laughs> So, Kabul. So, okay, that was 88. So there's this withdrawal, (laughs) takes a couple years. By 1994, the ultra-conservative group, the Taliban, had arisen as the prominent group of rebel fighters. And they were an ultra-conservative Islamic group, and they gained power and took control of portions of Afghanistan, where they imposed harsh Sharia law. Now, I don't know a lot about Sharia law besides how incredibly strict it is. I don't know if you know much more. I don't know much about the law itself um, or exactly how it fleshes out in the country. Um, But I know that there is a very strict divide between the average Afghan citizen and the Taliban. They are, there's a lot of shame almost um, Mm. when it comes to the Taliban. They, they recognize the extreme um, just violence and hatred that comes of that group. And I know so many people that are like, that is not what, who we are. That does Mm. not represent us. And, and they want people to know that. So yeah, whatever the law is whatever it entails it's really not what islam preaches and a lot of them want americans and other people around the world to hear that um but we don't we don't want to listen usually we're stuck in our ways and sure. are not willing to discuss it so yeah it makes yeah. me happy that you're wanting to have this discussion <laughs> absolutely it reminds me a little bit of Like, I think of, like, the Westboro Baptist Church. Like, in Christianity, that is the most extreme version that honestly is not even the belief system of most people who would call themselves Christian. So I feel like Sharia law is kind of the same thing. It's just so extreme that it's not... It it goes against almost, like, the embodiment of what Islamic people believe. Exactly. Yeah. 
Okay, good to know. So they start to impose this when they start to gain power in 1994, and they take over different regions of Afghanistan. And in 1996, they align themselves closely with Al-Qaeda leader Osama bin Laden, who enters Afghanistan and quickly aligns himself with their leadership. And in September, with the assistance of bin Laden and his fighters, the Taliban capture Kabul, Kabul, Kabul. <laughs> uh, thank you everyone for bearing with me here. They kidnap the president from the UN compound in the city, which sounds extreme. And then yeah. they execute him and declare themselves the ruling party of the country. So this is 1996, only what, September, three months before I'm born. So three. <laughs> But so they're as they are the government then of Afghanistan. Now, under Taliban law, during their reign over the country, again, they have this hyper strict set of Islamic laws that they put into place. Women are banned from education and almost all work, and harsh punishments are really commonplace, including public beatings, amputation of limbs, and public hangings for minor infractions. The Afghan people are under such strict oppression. And in 1999, the UN declares the Taliban a terrorist group leading to all member nations except for three unrecognizing them as legitimate leaders of the country. And all three of the uh, countries that did recognize them were their neighbors in the Middle East. So they're running a country, but by the rest of the world, they're identified as a terrorist group because of the pain and suffering that they cause for so many people. Now, in 2001, Osama bin Laden and his Al-Qaeda execute the 9-11 hijackings and terrorist operations from his base in Afghanistan. So I think this is where most people in the U.S., especially our age, start to identify the Taliban with terrorism. Yeah. Do you agree? Right. Yes, I agree. It seems like the media um, kind of carried the story and it was brought to light by a lot of Americans, especially, you know, and that brought out a lot of patriotism and maybe um, miscommunication, I think, on a lot of sides. But yes, this is when it really came um, to the knowledge of a lot of people. So this is obviously September 2001. So that same year, the U.S. and NATO, less than a month later, launch a full-scale invasion of Afghanistan and overthrow the Taliban government completely by November. And the UN, NATO, and a coalition of anti-Taliban warlords establish a government, and they continue to hunt down the Taliban and Al-Qaeda leadership in Afghanistan for years. And in these coming years, while they're trying to track down the Taliban and they're trying to uh, assist the people of Afghanistan in getting rid of these, these oppressors, um, they established democracy in the country. In 2004, a president is elected. In 2005, they open a parliament. Um, and all all of this time, the Western nations continue to fight the Taliban in Afghanistan, but the Taliban continue to control a portion of territory in the northern part of the country, I think. Mm -hmm. So yeah. this this is all between, you know, 2001 and 2020, right? Like the book of, right. of what most people yeah. remember. So it's you were there. Of time. Yeah. yeah. What was it like? Yeah, I think the time that I was there, um, there was a lot of suffering in Afghanistan, first of all. I think 
people today, because of recent news, are beginning to see kind of just a glimpse of what has been going on for centuries now. Mm. And like to, to so many people today, it's like, wow, they're just realizing this. But really, it's been the reality for a really long time. Mm. Um, and so it's kind of like, it's almost like, okay, finally, people are starting to educate themselves. But it took something really big for it to come to light, if that makes any sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I remember growing up there, there were um, children who were dying of malaria, mm. um, just all kinds of illnesses that are so preventable here in the Western in Western countries now, and um, under malnourishment, starvation. So it's, wow. it's just very clear that, first of all, they don't have the resources that they need and their government does not provide for them or care for them. And a lot of that does have to do with the Taliban, I, I believe it wholeheartedly. Women don't have the education that they need. Um, most Afghan girls were educated maybe for a few years, and then they were pulled out and prepared for marriage, mm. um, often at the age of 13, maybe a little wow. older. Um, yes, and it had a lot to do with religious rituals um, strongly enforced by extremists. Um, wow. So, yeah, they have a lot of influence, maybe that some don't even realize has been going on for a lot longer than um, what we might believe. Remind us what years you were in Afghanistan? Sure. So we lived there from 2006 to 2009. Okay, so in the thick yeah. of this, like, re- reform yeah. of the country. And what part right. of the country did you live in? It was northern, northern Afghanistan. Oh. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, if I can ask this, were you under Taliban rule? Were they a threat? No, it wasn't, a, it wasn't an immediate threat, no. And we were right next to the Swiss um, military base. So we were mm. pretty protected. We were safe. I mean, there were there were scares sometimes, um, just with even local religious leaders, mm. um, not even necessarily from the, the big dogs. Um, but the Afghan people were very receptive and friendly to us, and okay. and uh, yeah, just were our, our friends really. That's good. That's really good. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, a little positivity and all of the darkness. Yes, exactly. So, okay, so going back to our kind of timeline of what is happening in Afghanistan. So we ended in 2005. There was a democratically elected parliament. Western nations have a heavy presence. Obviously, the U.S. is there. You just mentioned the Swiss. There's a lot of Western nations, NATO, the U.N. The U.N. actually establishes a task force uh, to help bring peace to the country. Like, it's a very busy time for several years up until 2013, when NATO makes the formal decision to pull out of Afghanistan and President Obama opens talks with the Taliban for trying to negotiate a peace treaty. Um, So NATO pulls out in 2013, but by 2015 they return because the US-led peace talks have failed and the Taliban are a a strong threat now to uh, the people of Afghanistan. So this continues up until 2018. And at this time, President Trump appoints the U.S. ambassador to Afghanistan as his Taliban negotiator. And at this time also, ISIS has become a big problem in the country. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I remember at some point, like 
the US and the Taliban teaming up briefly to fight ISIS. <laughs> anyway, so that was 2018. Um, in 2020, the US signs a formal peace treaty with the Taliban in February. The treaty states that the Taliban agreed not to attack Americans, amongst other things, and the U.S. agrees to withdraw troops from the country. And mm -hmm. President Trump announces a full withdrawal of all U.S. forces in early 2021. And then uh, earlier this year, when President Biden took office, he agreed to uphold this promise, but pushed the date to September. So we're getting very recent now. We're in this year. So... Yeah. And let's watch how rapidly everything unfolds. Mm -hmm. So by May, the Taliban begin conquering more territory in the north and have a significant portion of land under their control. In July, the U.S. abandons its primary military headquarters in Afghanistan, pulling out the vast majority of its troops from the country, leaving behind equipment, facilities, and so much more. And... In August, the Taliban ramp up their seizure of territory. They're able to claim provincial capitals, which I assume are like state capitals or something like mm -hmm. that. And all of this started around August 1st. They ramped it up really intensely around the 8th of August. And by the 15th, so two weeks after they start their major campaign, they have taken control of Kabul. The president of the country has fled and the Taliban declared themselves rulers without much fighting, barely any bloodshed, and almost no resistance. And today the Taliban promise an inclusive government, but the jury is still out. There are reports of violence and abuse across the country, especially um, with there have been a few uprisings, a few uh, demonstrations of rebellion, and they've been met with violence and a death. Some in Afghanistan have been on international news saying that they look forward to a fully Islamic state, but most who have been willing to speak out say that they are afraid of Taliban oppression, especially against women, girls, journalists, and anyone who supported the U.S. and other Western nations while they were establishing a democracy for over 20 years. Um, the U.S. and Western nations currently, at the time of recording, have control of the national airport and are evacuating the country. The Taliban claim that anyone can come to the airport to leave, but there's also reports that that's being blocked. And it looks like, at this time, the Taliban have won the war. What are your thoughts? It's a sad state. That's my thoughts. I'm, it's, it's heartbreaking because so many Afghans are afraid and they're really scared. Um, I've heard, I've gotten emails and calls from people over there saying, please help us get out of this place. Wow. <laughs> help us get, yeah, they, they want a green card to the U.S. And um, I'm sure you've seen footage of um, the Afghan men climbing onto the, the airplane and yeah. <clears throat> not making it. Um, so I think there's there's probably a lot of covering up of the true um, consensus over there. There's wow. a lot of just fear and um, concern, like you said, especially amongst women and children. Mm. Um, thankfully, we know most Westerners and Americans have gotten out on yeah. emergency evacu um, evacuations, but there's a lot of desperate Afghans that are left. So I, I would have yeah. to agree that it seems the, the Taliban have won at this point. 
You know, one thing I find really interesting, and I don't know if you can give insight to this because I just, I want to give like full disclosure and is amazing <laughs> and she has all of this expertise, but we're also not going to like try to get you to understand all of the workings of the world. Um, yeah. But may maybe you have some thoughts on this because one thing that really struck me about all of this is that most of the world, like NATO, which is essentially every Western nation and more, right. the UN, the US, they've spent over 20 years trying to help establish democracy, train the military in Afghanistan, like, and really push the Taliban out. Mm -hmm. But it seems like, you know, in just a couple of months and really their serious campaign, only in a few weeks, the Taliban were able to really take control of the entire country. And even now, one thing that really strikes me is like, the US has the airport and everything's just kind of right. like, no one's questioning that, but the Taliban yeah. have the rest of the country and no one's trying to fight that. So like, why? And again, if you don't want to answer this, we can edit it out. But why do you think there is just this understanding of like, okay, here's the country. And then the Taliban are like, okay, you can have the airport. Like, what? Yeah, I know it's strange, isn't it? Like, it's like the Afghan people don't have a voice almost um, and i think that a lot of the western culture doesn't understand that because we've been taught stand up for yourself make your voice known um don't be afraid to stand up and the afghan people are kind of taught the opposite um it's kind of do exactly what you're told the government is mm -hmm. there to control you you have no say um and this is pretty much in every um, central asian country that i'm aware of they don't really get a through vote um, for their presidents or any type of government. It's just whatever happens, happens. And mm. um, they pretty much know that if they're if they're going to be willing to say, "Hey, no, I don't want, I don't want this," um, their life is at risk. And so they don't have the liberty that we have here. And I think it is hard for us to understand that. But it is such a uh, just powerful force there where. They just don't have the freedoms that we have. And so I am grateful um, that we have that here in the U.S. We do have that freedom. And I really want it for them. Mm. To see how, how, how much they suffer um, as a result of it, especially women and children. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So as we come to like a close of uh, we're here, we're to the present day. Two questions for you. First, what do you think? Afghans would want the rest of the world to know about the Taliban and what they're going through right now? And second, what would you say to the people of Afghanistan if you could? First of all, I think that Afghan people want us to understand that not all of them are terrorists. <laughs> not all of them are extremists. Um, they're good, kind people. And I wish that more people understood that here in Western culture. We are so quick to um, categorize, categorize everyone as extremist or violent, um, but they're really just human beings, human beings that um, live, are living their life in a different culture, yes, but they're, they're just as much human as we are. Um, and yeah, if you get to know them, they're kind, wonderful people. And I wish that everyone had the opportunity like I did because I have so many good friends from over there. So I really would love um, for people to understand that more. 
what would you say to the people of Afghanistan if you mm. could right now? I think I would say, um, don't give up. No. Um, keep fighting for your children, um, for women. There is going to be a day where hope will come for you guys. Um, stand up for yourself, even if it if it brings hardship, because the future will, your future children and grandchildren will thank you. Um, and I also want them to know that I will fight the, for the rest of my life for their freedom. Um, I was, I'm going into law, hopefully. Um, and yeah. part of that is motivated by my love for other cultures and other countries, um, mm. wanting to help them. So don't give up hope. Wow. Such like a powerful thought to end on. And thank you so much for, I mean, you've helped me a lot to kind of visualize and understand what it's like in Afghanistan and, and what's happening right now. So before we go, do you have any final thoughts? I would just say that we are so fortunate that we have education here in America. That's mm. my one last thought is we don't understand how powerful education is. And so we need to work towards unity um, amongst ourselves first and foremost, because there's so much divide in our country yeah. And the only way that we're going to help other countries is come together ourselves and use our education and our voices to help them. Mm, absolutely. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Anna, for joining us today and for being a part of our podcast. And thank you also to our listeners who took the time to listen. Hopefully you learned a little something. Hopefully we can all contribute in some small way to making this world a better place. Join us back here next week for a more traditional episode of <laughs> Crime Pros. Thank you. Thank you, Jace. It was an honor. Thank you for listening to Crime Pros. Make sure to download this episode and subscribe to the show. If you like our true crime stories, head over to Apple Podcasts and let us know with a five-star review. Crime Pros is hosted by Jace Lucas and is a production of Amped Media. This week's guest is Anna. Connect with us on Instagram and Facebook at Amped Media Official. See you next week for a new true crime story with a new true crime pro.